0: This is Stay Tuned in Brief. I'm Preet Bharara. If you've watched the news over the past few weeks, you've likely heard about a new chatbot called ChatGPT. It's an artificial intelligence tool that can answer questions, tell jokes, and even write complete essays. For some, new AI models like ChatGPT represent progress. For others, they're a cause for alarm. To get a better sense of how these advances in artificial intelligence will impact our lives, I'm joined by Rebecca Heilweil. She's a reporter at Recode by Vox who covers emerging technologies and AI. Rebecca, welcome to the show.
2: Thanks for having me.
0: So you're a real person, right? You're not AI. I hope so. <laughs> how would how would I know? How would I even be able to confirm that? It's a good question. <laughs> okay, so first let's start with, for folks who don't know and are not following, what is ChatGPT and how in the hell does it work?
2: So... On its face, ChatGPT is a chatbot. It's, you know, you go on the, the internet, you go on the website that hosts it, and you type it questions, you give it instructions, any sort of prompt, and it'll just interact with you and provide a text-based response. So at its core, it works like any other chatbot you might encounter on the internet. But unlike like a really dense customer service bot that might drive you crazy, uh, Chat ChatGPT gives really, really good and even convincing answers.
0: And and how does it do that? How does it have the information to be able to do that?
2: So this is the product of years and years of research um, into artificial intelligence and specifically a kind of artificial intelligence called machine learning. Uh, Essentially, the way to think about it is imagine if you fed a machine that was sort of trying to imitate humans lots and lots and lots of data, a lot of text from the internet. And you said, study this a lot and try to imitate how humans talk, how humans write. And this is sort of what results from that kind of AI training process. So tons of, uh, you know, data collected from the internet turned into a kind of predictive system that basically makes guesses at what humans ought to sound like. So when you're getting a response from this chatbot, what it's doing is sort of making a prediction about what it thinks a human would say in response to the question that it's being asked or the prompt that it's being told.
0: So does it work kind of like Siri, except it's much more intelligent?
2: Siri is possibly one comparison you could make. Another way to think about it is like that a really, really smart version or a really powerful version of the Google Smart Compose feature you might have. I don't know if you've ever been typing an email and you see Google will make a guess at how you should finish the email or finish the greeting. It's sort of a sort of like that. Inside the technology, it might, you know, each sort of thing works its own way. Uh, but it's essentially just making guesses based on what it's seen from other humans.
0: Okay, so who's responsible for, who developed, who funded ChatGPT?
2: So ChatGPT was created by this research firm called OpenAI, which is a sort of leading artificial intelligence research organization. They primarily focus on building really advanced artificial intelligence models that sort of could be used for something else and, you know, make made available for all sorts of different applications. The, the company itself was created by some of the biggest names in Silicon Valley who, you know, have given support to it. That includes Sam Altman, Elon Musk, Peter Thiel, Reid Hoffman. Um, and it was sort of the product of a, a big debate among a lot of sort of leaders in Silicon Valley over what the purpose of AI should be and whether it's good or bad and, and how it might be Used to uh, advance humanity, basically. Right.
0: So are they monetizing it in some way or no? Because it's free.
2: Yeah. So the tool that you could use right now is free in the sense that you don't have to pay for it. But it, you, when you are using that tool, it's worth noting you are helping this this company make this AI better. They say on their website that the answers you're providing are helping them improve their artificial intelligence for future additions, essentially. Uh, At the same time, they are trying to monetize versions of this. So Microsoft, for example, is using GPT-3, a slightly earlier version of what we just saw released to sort of um, improve the coding process and sort of automate aspects of that. So there are certainly plans to monetize it. The owner of OpenAI is predicting that they're going to have about $1 in revenue by 2024 um, from the AI projects that they're developing.
0: Can you say what the goal of all this is? What's the problem that they're trying to solve?
2: I think the way to think about artificial intelligence, or at least this kind of research into artificial intelligence, is that it's not really aimed at solving one particular problem that we humans encounter in everyday life. It's more of a, a sort of goal of building AI that can increasingly do things that humans currently do. And once that model is created, figuring out applications after it exists. So now that ChatGPT exists, uh, the people are talking about using it as the next iteration of a search engine and replacing Google with this kind of technology. It's much more intelligent and maybe more able to understand the nuances of question. There is a goal to maybe use it to automate more of computer programming, and that potentially would save costs uh, for companies that are in software um, on developing things. Uh, You could use it to produce text, produce advertisements. So it's more like thinking about it as we've reached the stage where we have this super powerful tool. And now there's sort of race to look at ways to sort of apply that tool to different applications in everyday life.
0: So let's talk about some mundane or everyday uses. If, if I went into the chat box and typed in the query, can you write a commencement address in the style of Preet Would it be able to do that or is that too obscure?
2: So before uh, you interviewed me, I was I figured I'd uh, plug in a few uh, questions like that, and it was able to imitate you for it a was? different prop. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Can you send I, that to
0: me because that could be I, very handy?
2: I will send it to you. Um, and I was uh, told by one of your producers that it included some predism so I, I you should take a look. Um, so, so
0: how? So is that because I mean the the, the uh, ChatGPT has it basically swallowed everything on the internet or some subset? I mean, how, how, what's the selection process?
2: It's swallowed a lot of the internet. I think they will, uh, OpenAI is given the caveat that it, I don't think it's updated past 2021. So there are certain things it doesn't know about. It also it has some amount of guardrails built in that it's not just repeating everything it ever saw on the internet with no sense of holding its own tongue, if you will. Like So it, it knows that certain things are offensive. It doesn't know that everything's offensive. It knows that you know what I mean? Like, it it has some sort of guardrail. It's not just spitting back everything that it's ever seen on the internet. But, you know, if you are someone who is more well-known on the internet, it's more likely to know you. It's more likely to understand the sort of quirks of your voice or how you might interact uh, with other people it is very good at impressions if you it, it like if you ask it to do Trump impressions or right. things about Trump it'll like be it'll throw a lot of biglies in there um and it's like not perfect it probably but it, it gets uh gets pretty close um, in terms of uh, it like it understands what's going on in terms of when you ask it to do an impression so for less famous people it probably isn't as effective with that, but um, it certainly, you know, it certainly knows something.
0: So if I didn't do this, but if I had asked it to draft some questions for my interview with you, would that have come out okay?
2: It, so yeah, we also t- we also tried that one into prep for this interview just to see what would happen. Um, and it, it came up with questions. It did not come up with exactly the same questions.
0: I hope not as good because that's depressing.
2: Uh, no, they it was more, they were more like specific to AI. So you can tell like this AI doesn't understand, oh, there's a podcast for a general audience. It thinks, oh, I've been asked to write questions about AI and I'm going to do that. But it will use terms that maybe like, like I would not use in everyday conversations with my friends who are not um, interested in artificial intelligence, if that makes sense. So it it showed some amount of not getting it, but you know it certainly came up with questions. Um, and like with some of them were like, how do you see ChatGPT fitting into the larger landscape of AI research and development? And what do you think the future holds for this technology? Right. Like it sounds like a question someone might ask.
0: So a lot of the internet, as I understand it, is full of garbage and bad information. So how does ChatGPT separate true stuff from the fake stuff. So for example, here's another application that I want to get into with you that has been somewhat controversial. So let's say I'm a high school sophomore and I have to write a paper on the civil war and and what high school sophomore has not had to do that. Uh, describe the causes for the civil war, the war between the states and the consequences. And I query ChatGPT, A, will it do a reasonable job? And B, will it be accurate?
2: So this is one of the scenarios where it depends on the prompt that you ask it. If you ask it a pretty general question like that, you'll probably get a pretty reasonable response. What I heard from professors that I spoke to about this is like, yeah, you may not get an A if you submitted it, but you might get a B and you might get a B plus on that assignment where it gets For no effort.
0: For no effort. (laughs) For no effort.
2: For no no effort. And for what it's worth, the anti-plagiarism software like Turnitin doesn't catch any of this. Um, so you don't have to worry about getting uh, flagged for plagiarism at least in the short term. but where it gets trickier is if you ask it about subjects that are like a little more niche and where it might get a little bit more confused. So Civil war there's probably a lot of uh, stuff about that um, on the internet if you're asking about like what the symbol in a novel that like not many people have read, um, like what's the importance of it to a character and like a very niche novel that there's not a much written about on the Internet. It might have a lot more trouble. And I think this brings up the second point that you mentioned is that this chatbot is is not uh, humble in the sense that it, it won't just say, I don't know, sometimes it will, but sometimes it'll just make stuff up. And it sounds really confident, really earnest, um, when it says it and, uh, can, you know, could be pretty convincing, but it's, uh, not, there's no guarantee that what it's giving you, especially on more niche topics is, is correct. Um, and you might, you might fail your failure your class if you do that.
0: You recently wrote a piece entitled AI is finally good at stuff. And that's a problem. Is it a problem that we're talking, is the problem what we're talking about now, the possibility of people cheating on school assignments or something broader than that?
2: I think uh, what I was sort of trying to get at is that we're in this kind of like bullshitter era phase for AI where AI is um, – And also
0: politics probably.
2: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, AI is um, pretty good, pretty convincing, um, not perfect uh, by any means and it's sort of like are we prepared – as a society, to to deal with that, I would say, you know, my guess is probably most teachers in the United States are not um, particularly uh, ready or prepared for this new type of cheating. I don't even know if they would know about this chatbot, depending on how um, how much you're following uh, the tech news. Uh, so, I, I think you know, we're not, it's not clear that we're necessarily ready for this era of AI, which is it's it's certainly really impressive, um, and it stands to do a lot of stuff that humans are used to feeling special because they could do. <laughs>
0: well, will AI reasonably be able to replace lawyers who draft contracts and agreements?
2: I think there's probably, this is just my own personal look at it, but it, I, I feel like there's a reasonable chance that a lot of that becomes automated and you maybe your job is not writing the contract but looking over it for mistakes or or nuances or or things like that. Today I asked chat GPT to write me a public records request, which, you know, they're really annoying to write as anyone who's written them uh, knows. And I was just like, write me one for this agency about this topic. And what it came up with was like pretty good. Like I wouldn't, um, I'd read over it, but it didn't seem like it was this uh, really badly written document. And I suspect the same is probably true for a lot of professions that have that kind of form based writing.
0: So can it replace local reporting?
2: so I I think this is where it gets tricky that this AI is not particularly good at finding out new information or or like reporting a story. Like, you know, journalism, at least, you know, the best journalism finds out things that were not previously known. So if the story that you're looking for was not, you know, freely available on the Internet, it's not clear that a AI like this would be able to, pro- you know, wouldn't be able to produce that reporting. Maybe you have more time if you're a local journalist to do, again, an optimistic take to do more of that original reporting and then just inputting what you found out into an AI that can draft it up in a nice way for you. Um, So I think it certainly stands to automate um, a good amount of that, depending on how it's used. But of course that raises uh, real questions about authorship and authenticity and veracity. So there are a lot of questions ahead of us.
0: Here's another use that I've heard suggested that some might even find preferable to humans. And that is therapy. And it's been suggested in various places that young people in particular if it was reasonably decent, might prefer an artificial intelligence therapist because it's more private. You're not talking to an actual human being, so maybe it'll be more forthcoming. And you can also have a session with an AI therapist any time of day, night, weekend, holiday, it doesn't matter. Anything in your reporting and in your travels that tells you anything about AI therapy?
2: I think one thing to keep in mind, and this is on the OpenAI website, is they say, do not put personal information in this chatbot. Um, It is being used for improving that AI. And I think that's something that you, you know, with any system like this, you really have to be careful because sure, you're not directly chatting with a human, but uh, it may be worth pondering a little bit more about what, whether that privacy is actually there and to what extent you're your pers- very personal thoughts are being fed into a um, a system that is, you know, being used to profit in the end. Um, I think there are there are certainly applications already of chatbots that per- per- sort of perform a little bit of that kind of therapy work. And I think like, like a lot of things, there's a probably a future where you mix two things together. But there are also real questions to be asked about whether like who who is liable of the uh, AI doesn't give particularly good therapy advice um, or whatever kind of therapy someone's seeking, like who's accountable if it if it doesn't do a good job. I think those are questions that are worth asking.
0: So we're at this level of sophistication at the end of 2022. Can you make a prediction about what we'll be talking about in a year and the quality and performance of AI in five to 10 years?
2: Five to 10 is pretty tricky, um, but I think in the next year people are talking about um, the next iteration of this Open AI model GPT-4 and whether that's coming and what that's going to look like. Maybe we'll see improvements with tone um, and sort of like that little bit of the answers that make you feel like, oh, wait, this might not actually be a human, but I'm not sure. Like, maybe it'll overcome that. I think generally we're going to see a lot of conversations about this category of artificial intelligence, which is generative AI, which will, um, you know, be producing not just text, but art. And other types of content that we're used to being produced by, you know, humans. And it's going to raise a lot of questions, like a lot of uh, questions and challenges about what, like what humans can, you know, offload to technology and what, what can't be. And I think we're going to start to see a lot more of like AI produced things in our lived environment, whether that's what we're reading online or, or visually looking at or things like that.
0: Can we expect, given the advance of this technology, politicians and or government regulators to get involved in some way or no?
2: There have been proposals for regulating certain forms of artificial intelligence, like facial recognition. But, you know, right now it's kind of like a moment for even asking, like, what would be regulated, if anything? Are we are we asking for transparency and rules that say an AI must reveal itself as AI? Are we asking for privacy rules? I think we're still working out what regulators should even do about this or what like what the problem is regulators would even be trying to rein in, if that makes sense.
0: Final question, somewhat esoteric and philosophical. Does something about continuing developing a sophisticated AI erase something about human creativity or our humanity in general? And some people have raised that issue. Are we at that point or is that overstated?
2: I think this is a question a lot of people really disagree on. One of the sources I spoke to for my story, who was like an expert in cheating um, on exams, pointed out, you know, we, you know, for a while, people would always say to you, like, don't use a calculator in class because you can't have a calculator in the real world. And like, obviously, that's not true. (laughs) You do have a calculator in the real world. And like, humans may have gotten like less adept at doing calculations in their head, but math hasn't gone away and computations haven't gone away. Um, And I think the question of whether this kind of cognitive offloading, uh, like being able to put things that we would normally do on technology, I think the question is like, is this going to sort of take away aspects of human authenticity um, and uniqueness? Or is it gonna, you know, create new ways of being creative that we previously wouldn't be able to do because we were busy like writing out text. So, maybe it'll make human creativity even better or maybe it'll make things make things worse, but I don't think it's going to be um it's going <laughs> to it's going to go on in one of those directions. It's the world is certainly changing. It's not going to stay as it was.
0: I'm going to let you go. I'm going to go ask ChatGPT this question. See what it says about its own future. Rebecca Heilweil, thank you so much for joining us.
2: Thanks for having me.
0: For more analysis of legal and political issues making the headlines, become a member of the CAFE Insider. Members get access to exclusive content, including the weekly podcast I co-host with former U.S. attorney Joyce Vance. Head to cafe.com slash insider to sign up for a trial. That's cafe.com slash insider. If you like what we do, rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Every positive review helps new listeners find the show. Send me your questions about news, politics, and justice. Tweet them to me at Preet Bharara with the hashtag AskPreet. Or you can call and leave me a message at 669-247-7338. That's 669-24-PREET. Or you can send an email to letters at Cafe.com. Stay Tuned is presented by Cafe and the Vox Media Podcast Network. The executive producer is Tamara Sepper. The technical director is David Tattashore. The senior producer is Adam Waller. The editorial producers are Sam ozer and Noah Azulay. The audio producer is Nat Wiener. And the cafe team is Matthew Billy, David Kurlander, Jake Kaplan, Namata Shah, and Claudia Hernandez. Our music is by Andrew Dost. I'm your host, Preet Bharara. Stay tuned.